Hey, Creator, I'm Ian Corzine, your social media lawyer. And before we get started on today's podcast, which is all about how to protect your business, uh, your online business post-crisis with Chris Passmore, a uh, Los Angeles CPA specializing in advising small and medium-sized businesses, I wanted to let you know about my website, iancorzine.com. There you can set up a consult with me or your social media lawyer team for an in-depth analysis of copyright, trademark, and business questions for your social media businesses. Also at iancorzine.com, you can download legal templates. Uh, these are templates including you know, an LLC uh, formation agreement, uh, corporate shareholder agreements, appearance releases, copyright forms, all those things for your uh, YouTube, your Instagram, your Facebook accounts, anything that you need legally for your social media accounts, you can be downloaded there. Be sure to stick around uh, to the end of the podcast when I'm going to give you a special discount code um, for that legal template service. Uh, for all that and much more, go to iancorzine.com. All right, let's get into it. It's your social media lawyer, Ian Corzine. Welcome to the Social Media Law Podcast. I'm Ian Corzine, your social media lawyer. This is the podcast for social media creators and entrepreneurs that want to know more about the law as it applies to their content. Today, we're going to be joined, and we're very excited to be joined by Chris Passmore, who's an LA CPA specializing in advising. Uh, small and medium-sized businesses about how to survive post-crisis. By the way, if you want to reach me anytime during this podcast, you can email me at podcast at iancorzine.com. That's podcast at iancorzine.com. Or you can hit me up on Twitter at iancorzine. Today, again, I'm very excited to be joined by Chris Passmore. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thanks, Ian. I'm so excited to be here. And thank you so much for having me on the show. Of course. Um, boy, you've been doing a lot of these uh, Zoom calls and podcasts in the past, right? Oh, it's funny how five weeks ago, life completely changed. I'll <laughs> admit, I was not familiar with Zoom and using video conferencing on a regular basis. And now it has become a part of every day. Isn't it and amazing? life has completely changed. This is not the 2020 that all of us planned for. <laughs> and I don't think it's going to be the 2021 that we thought about either. No, I, at this point, we're all planning for recovery, and that's been our big focus, but it's true. The crystal ball right now is completely murky, and I don't know exactly where this is going. Uh, well, I was going to ask that question. Where is it exactly going? But we'll save that to the end. Maybe you'll come up with the answer by the end of the podcast. <laughs> sure. All right, listen, Chris, I always start out with you know, a, a success story, uh, something that you've done in your practice to really help someone out there, one of, maybe one of your clients, maybe a, a business that you advise. Do you have any success stories you can bring up at the, at the beginning of the podcast? I'd say a, a recent and relevant success is I've worked with one or two clients that through the past few weeks had a really tough time. For example, one of my clients who has a very successful restaurant business. And as you can imagine, they had to shut their doors and cease operations about five weeks ago. And the challenge they had is before this whole thing happened, they were with a, a national bank. And when times were good, everything was fine. But when it was time to apply for a PPP loan, get some support, unfortunately, that national bank wasn't well suited for small business for SBA loans. 
So my big success in the past few weeks was just helping them find and secure a alternate lending a lender to help them get their PPP. That's now funded, and they now have a uh, eight week uh, gift to help them survive this and hopefully reopen their doors soon. So that was probably the most relevant win I've had lately. So as I understand it, basically, you know, people, uh, businesses in America, uh, if they have, um, you know, employees generally are, app, are, are, you know, can access the payroll protection program, but it's, you have to be a client of a bank, right? Uh, you can't just, just, you can't just fill out some government form to get it. Is that correct? Uh, that's correct. The program itself was never meant to be handled by the government. It was meant to be handled by the banks. So once they rolled out the CARES Act and the PPP, it was now pushed down to the banks to say, go get the applications, get the approvals, and let's fund this thing. And you're absolutely right. Many of my clients found out that their bank, who wasn't suited for small or medium-sized business, didn't have the resources and the processes in place to get those PPP loans. And frankly, some of them just stopped taking applications. So there was a window of time where we had to find alternate lenders. Luckily, there were a handful of groups that were willing to take on non-banking clients. In the meantime, hopefully to convert those into long-term relationships. So it was a real challenge, but there were a few options out there that were for non-banking clients. So it did get better as time progressed. While we're on this story for a moment, I just wanted to ask you if you happen to know, do you know how the funds were allocated to the various banks and or other funding sources? So to a good example, I'm trying to, I have a lot of friends, a lot of clients in the, in the industry, and they, were, they weren't able to get their PPP through Bank of America, but they were through some other lender. Um, how can that be? The Bank of America said their funds ran out. Uh, is there only certain amounts of money that are given to the various people that can provide the PPP? I'm not aware of a specific limit by bank, mm -hmm. but I, I have read similar stories that large national chains, for example, Wells Fargo, mm -hmm. said that they had X amount of dollars that they were going to lend out. And after a week, they just said, we're not doing this. So I think the bigger issue is, is your bank a preferred SBA lender? And that to me was the real differentiator where my clients had success and didn't have success. So if you were fortunate enough to be at a bank that was a, a SBA preferred lender, chances are you did okay. Mm -hmm. And as you can imagine, your large nationals, your Wells Fargo's, maybe your Chase, SBA is not their focus. Mm -hmm. And that's where I noticed the, the trigger was on where you were likely to get funding or not. So in your experience, it may have been that uh, given banks may just have set artificial limits about what they will loan out. Is that, is that your experience? That's what I've seen. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So in your particular situation, this client that you had, you were able to locate an alternative funding source for the PPP. So they did get the paycheck protection, uh, which will help them keep their employees in the, in the future, correct? That's correct. The, if you remember the first round, the funding was gone in about a week, a week and a half. Totally. So there were two or three days where they were trying to use their existing banking relationship. They eventually just frankly gave up. It was a very bad experience for them. And that's when we were able to secure that alternative source. And yes, I'm happy to report that they have the funding and now they've got that, let's call it life preserver to help them cash flow the next two months. And hopefully, who knows, June, July, their doors will be open again and life will get back to normal. 
Yeah, well, the new normal, I think. But that sounds like a really, really good story. And it's really awesome that you're able to do that to help your clients do that. How did you get started in the accounting, the CPA business? Did you always have a, a love of numbers when you were growing up? or? Actually, yeah, I've always been a numbers guy. And I've always enjoyed business and business strategy. One of my favorite life experiences was completing my MBA program at Pepperdine. I enjoy forward thinking, identifying needs for clients and customers, and I've always had that attention to detail. People thought I was crazy at university when I actually liked my accounting 101 class. <laughs> All my friends were studying mythology, marketing, and other more sexy topics. I, I generally enjoyed accounting 101, so it was the combination of just a love for numbers and also general business and strategy that, that led me to where I am today. It's a funny story. I was actually... My parents said I was born to be a CPA or a business guy. They tell this great story when we were on vacation in New Orleans when I was in high school. And you go through the French Quarter and there's these, these voodoo stores with, you know, little tchotchkes and such. Yeah. And you got to pick a, a charm that was something you wished for. And it was love, long life, or uh, business and money. And you'll have to guess which one I picked. And from then they said it was destined. <laughs> I, was, I was born to this guy. Money, 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 huh? Yeah. Wow. Well, we're, you're sorely needed in this time period. I, I swear to God, all of my clients who have online businesses and are doing well in social media, because actually views and, and things, people are more online than they were, um, are counting upon certified uh, public accountants uh, and, and accountants and general bookkeepers to be able to make their business continue to run. And you guys are at the forefront of helping us understand the CARES Act and whether or not we're enabled to get emergency funds, PPP funds, uh, maybe personal, you know, our $1,200 uh, uh, stipend, that kind of stuff. You guys are doing a great job to help us out. Uh, and along those lines, I was going to ask you, do you have any tips for online businesses? Uh, we're, we're trying to stay alive here. Um, that How we can navigate this post-crisis. Is there anything that you can advise us to help us be able to continue to keep our business going? Uh, actually, my main tip right now leverages the story I was just telling you about that yeah. if you've got a, big, a banking relationship and frankly, you don't know the name of your banker and maybe it is a national chain, my, my main tip right now is to start developing that relationship with your local business bank, some, a company that's designed for small and medium-sized businesses and to me, that is something you need to start now and develop that relationship. So when there's a need in the future, you have already developed a strong rapport with that bank and that banker. And to me, that has been the biggest, I'd say, learning item that I've discovered in the past few months. Uh, and then just talking about online business in general, this is just a, a general operational tip. As more and more of us work virtually and communicate virtually, share documents virtually. It's just focusing on the security of your data, your financial data, your income tax returns, your financial statements. An example would be if you're gonna send a, a profit and loss statement to your CPA or your bookkeeper, do it in a secure way. Make sure that that's not just a easily accessible PDF form that if someone diverts your email, they can pick it up, see your numbers or any other confidential information maybe a social security number. So this is the time as we become more and more virtual that you really have to crack down and focus on your financial data security 
because no one wants to be in a situation where something's been hacked, someone's spending the money from your corporate bank account, or where someone files a fraudulent tax return and claims a refund, and now you have to deal with the IRS. Now, Chris, I'm going to take you back to the first tip, and that really is developing a good relationship with your banker, your commercial banker. Um, do you have any thoughts on, you know, I, my, I bank for my business with a big bank, Chase, uh, and luckily I do have a relationship with the banking person uh, from a variety of different uh, areas, but do you, would you recommend that small and medium-sized online businesses actually have local banks, you know, uh, work with smaller banks because maybe there's going to be some more, you know, customer uh, uh, interaction that way? Well, I think focusing on a bank that is SBA preferred is a good okay. start, and that right. often leads to your local banks. Uh, but I'll admit this is a relationship business, so you can have a wonderful banker who's at a national chain and someone who checks in with you and takes care of your needs. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, I do think the SBA, SBA preferred option is the safe way to go. I've always liked business-focused banks mm-hmm. versus the national banks, just because national banks have a focus on not just businesses, but also personals where your local business bank truly their bread and butter is to help you and your business with any lending needs, maybe for equipment or to help you expand, uh, open a studio. And that's their focus. So that's why I like that recommendation for your business bank, because that's all they do. They're not focusing up on opening checking accounts or savings accounts. They're really here to help you establish your business and have the capital you need to grow up, grow and flourish. Mm-hmm. Well, I like that. Uh, I just noticed, I, I just got lucky uh, when it came time for PPP uh, that I knew my, my banker, Jeff, uh, fairly well. And so it was an easy call, but, I, but a lot of my clients came to me and they just were like, I don't even know who my banker is. I just you know, started a, a commercial account, a checking account and a savings account, and I've been operating my business just fine uh, since I started it. Um, but I do think going forward, whether it be governmental programs uh, or special, uh, you know, access to different loan kind of programs through the bank itself, you just got to know these guys on a first name basis. Well, exactly. If you don't know their name, then chances are they don't know your name. And <laughs> I mean, the, the, the best part about the Paycheck Protection Program is the forgiveness aspect. So the, having the loan is available, but it's the forgiveness that is where the rubber hits the road. And that's where you're going to have a meaningful impact. So this gets back to your banking relationship because you don't apply to the government for forgiveness. You apply to the bank. Yes. And the bank is the one who decides whether your loan is forgiven. It's the bank who's going to decide what they need to audit and verify. Yep. And I get back to that same point. If you don't know the person who's going to help you through that process, then I I think it's going to make the process much more difficult. Yeah. And that's why that relationship is so important. Yeah. And thinking about what you're saying too, about the forgiveness aspect of the PPP, you know, generally for the audience, it's a situation where you take a loan out uh, from the bank to help you with your payroll obligations and rent obligations, utility obligations, and things like that. But the bottom line is based upon payroll. And then the thought is, and I'm, I'm using the word hope, <laughs> the hope is that in September, October, whatever it is, that at some point in time, you apply back to the bank and you say, listen, I use this to keep an employee. I use this only for payroll purposes or rent or utilities purposes. And therefore, I request that it be forgiven. So the loan be converted into 
basically a, a giveaway as opposed to an actual loan. Um, so what you were basically saying, I think, is that the better you know your bank, maybe the better chance it's forgiven? I think the smoother the process will go in, yes, I think that likely turns into the better chance that you'll have a positive result at the end. Okay, awesome. And then let me take you back to the kind of second tip, which I hear you as saying, listen, uh, it was happening already, but our financial data data is becoming even more and more uh, digital, electronic. Um, we, we are, we, we're, we're in this space where we're not wanting to see each other in person uh, because of uh, fears. Um, would you say then that there's something that people can do more than they're already doing when they're transmitting uh, financial data to their CPAs or their accountants? Is there anything that we can do to protect um, you know, ourselves when we're talking about very sensitive social security number data, uh, gross revenue data, that kind of stuff? I'd say the, the simplest thing to do that you can start doing right now is any document that you send is password protected. That, that's the easiest way to go about this immediately that doesn't require third-party software like a share file by Citrix. But that's also another good option, share file or other secure FTP sites is a good way to make sure that that doesn't get hijacked along the way. Uh, either way, it's just making sure that when you hit send, it doesn't get intercepted by someone. And we've seen it. I've seen very innocent documents being sent in back and forth and that turned into a, a fraudulent tax return being filed and someone diverted a refund. Oh, so wow. password protecting and FTP uh, secure file transfer is the way to go right now as we've all converted to virtual business and not the traditional face-to-face -face brick and mortar experience we had two months ago. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, this is a little bit off script here, but I was just wondering do you have any predictions? You know, when, when people say, oh my gosh, I got the funds from the government, however, personal or, or commercial, um, that's great. And that's money in the bank. But, you know, it costs, <laughs> the government is going to have to, or is printing a lot of money in order to make this thing happen. It's not coming out of some reserve COVID-19 fund. Um, so do you have any predictions for how the economy is going to go when they add trillions uh, either to our debt or to our money supply going forward. I mean, it's great that uh, someone got a PPP loan for $25,000, but that was printed money. Isn't that going to result in inflation and, and additional problems down the line? I mean, frankly, this has been a concern of mine for several years now. Just looking back two years to the TCGA, that was the, the tax break that yes. uh, President Trump rolled out two years ago and the reduction of the corporate tax rate to 21%. So I, I've felt for years that we've been, to use the term, like you said, printing money. And I, I've got two young kids. I've got a 10-year-old and a 13-year-old. And I don't see how this ends positively. I, I don't know how we can continue to have trillions and trillions of dollars in national debt. And how can this be a prosperous situation? I mean, I do think life's going to change with the election in November. So I think that will be the true referendum on whether people feel the same concern or there may be a change necessary. But I, I agree with you 100%. This has to affect the economy. We can't just dole out trillions of dollars and not expect a long-term impact, whether that's inflation or, hell, credit ratings. There's a number of different issues that this could affect. So or or scare, scarcity of loans, right? I mean, people want a loan to be able to buy a house. I mean, is it going to re, 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 you know, result in people less people being able to afford a house 
Um, the other thing I, I'm worried about too is that what does it look like to live in 15 to 20% unemployment? I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? What, what happens to the economy when a lot of people are unemployed? Well, to put it simply, nothing good. I mean, look at, <laughs> yeah. I mean, look at Greece with their unemployment yeah. and the protests that were a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing possibly good about 15 to 20% unemployment. Yeah. I'm optimistic it's not going to get that bad. If you think back to the beginning of 2020, the fundamentals were strong. Everyone that I've spoken to and the research I've done predicted that, okay, we were at the end of a very, very long bull market, but all things were very positive. Mm -hmm. So you take away COVID-19, and this year is roaring. The M&A market is going strong. Uh, Companies are getting the capital they need from private equity and other investors. So I think that if we can get past this thing, we will return Maybe not to the life it was in January, yeah. but still a very healthy economy with a lot of potential. I, I think no matter what, even with the effect on the national debt with the TCGA, the change in the tax law, it did boost that, uh, business. Mm-hmm. And I'm hopeful that once we start reopening as a nation, that it won't be a doomsday scenario. I think the best description I've heard of 2020 is the great pause. And as soon as we uncheck the pause button, life gets back to normal. I'm optimistic that it won't be that bad. Candidly, there are going to be some industries that are going to be hurt really bad. These are all of your restaurant companies, companies that really depend on foot traffic, your health, your gyms, your health clubs. I think they're going to struggle because they've truly had to shut down the doors. And then when things reopen, they've got the stigma of the personal contact that they used to thrive on and now has become very sensitive. So I I do think there's going to be some unfortunate losers out of all of this, but I still believe that the general economy as a whole is strong. And if we can reopen our doors that it won't be a game busters year, but it could be okay. Well, listen, I I'm praying that you're right. I mean, I, I'm preparing uh, for the possibility that you're wrong, but I am praying that you're right because it, it would be wonderful if we could rise up from this uh, crisis time into a better society. So I'm really, really hoping that that's the case. Um, just to go back to the tips, get that banking relationship with your local banker set up, potentially consider uh, non-mainstream banks too as an opportunity, uh, SBA approved banks. Uh, and then also make sure that all your transactions, all your transmissions of information are password protected are protected by SSL encryption and those kinds of things. Any other tips that you could leave us with us online business people, uh, social media creators about how to go forward through this? Probably the last tip that I have for most of my small to medium sized business is it's a simple one. Actually, I I recommend, and this is going to sound silly, having a separate credit card for your business expenses. And there's a reason why I suggest this. Okay. It's because as you're a, a, an emerging business, you start to grow, you start to have business expenses. It still happens today that I have clients come to me with a shoebox. And you can guess what's in that shoebox. It's 12 months of, of receipt statements. And it is very challenging to go back and think about all the business expenses that you might have had uh, through your, your podcasts, your interviews, your tours, anything that you're selling digitally. Yeah. So the reason why I suggest a, a separate credit card 
And so it can track all of your business expenses separate from your personal expenses. So when you go through the end of the year process with your CPA, your bookkeeper, your tax preparer, you have a nice standalone group of all your expenses. That way nothing gets missed. That way you don't have income tax deductions that are forgotten. And it's all in one single area that's easy to analyze, to consolidate, and to make sure you capture every deduction possible to reduce that tax payment at the end of the year. I like that. I like that because the bottom line then you just print out the statements or you send over, you know, a CSV, CSV or Q, whatever uh, files to your CPA and it makes it just easier. That's great. Awesome. Um, I wanted to, we, we're kind of uh, running out of time. So I wanted to uh, give uh, the audience an opportunity to contact you with any of uh, their business questions or potentially, you know, they, maybe they need help getting the PPP or something similar. Where can they reach you if they'd like to? Uh, so you can reach me at my firm website. That's martinicpas.com. Martini like the drink. CPAs as my profession. You can also find me on LinkedIn, YouTube, and Instagram under myself, Chris Passmore, or CPA Corp. Awesome. And I've seen your recent content. It's awesome. Keep on doing it. We need the help. Especially, I'm going to leave you with this one. How do you properly segregate PPP funds? so that you can maximize the potential for forgiveness. I don't want to answer, ask you, have you answered that question on the podcast, but I would love to see that online. It would just be great because I'm getting different answers. Different accountants are saying different things and it'd be great to have your final answer on that, maybe on LinkedIn or something like that. But anyway, I want to say thank you so much, Chris, for joining us today. It really, really helped out. I love how clear your answers are to the questions. Um, and uh, it just, it was great to have you. All right. Thanks, Ian. I really appreciate it. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the Social Media Law Podcast. Of course, I'm Ian Corzine, your social media lawyer. As a reminder, if you need a consult, you need to speak to a social media lawyer like myself or one of my team members, you can go to iancorzine.com and set up an online consult as well. Let's say you maybe you need a legal template. You need to have a contract with your partner. Uh, you need an appearance release. You need a location agreement if you're filming somewhere that you need to agree with the people who own the property. Go to iancorzine.com, go into the template section. You can download those templates and be able to have a proper uh, legal agreement that I drafted for your transaction. Okay, everybody, it's Ian Corzine, your social media lawyer. I'll see you next week.